let's talk about the Oscars. The internet's favorite film in 2022 was the spectacular, groundbreaking, and visually mesmerizing Everything Everywhere All at Once. Outstanding reviews, critical praise, and a fan-made internet campaign that dominated the spring and summer months propelled this indie gem into an unexpected box office success and A24's most successful film in its history. Even if it may not be your favorite film or even the best film of the year, this movie nonetheless deserves several Oscar nominations in acting, editing, writing, directing, and visual effects. To me, it should be Best Picture, but I know that's a tough battle. At the end of the day, the Academy Award is the highest prestige in cinema, and talented filmmakers and artists will spend their entire lives trying to win one. Michelle Yeoh deserves her Oscar, as does Ki Hui Kwan and Stephanie Hsu. Sorry if I mispronounced any of that. Of course, the Academy is notoriously stubborn on how they distribute the awards, sometimes giving it to someone who didn't necessarily earn it that year, but through the course of a career deserves one or even a second. This puts the indie darling and its all-Asian cast in a perilous spot, as it would have to make Oscar history and take down the likes of James Cameron, Steven Spielberg, Tom Cruise, Kate Blanchett, among others. Even worse, the film has to regain its momentum that was kind of lost because the film didn't release in Oscar bait season, which starts pretty much in the fall and runs through the winter in order to gain an advantage on recency bias, which, believe it or not, has historically cost certain films best picture. The snub that pisses me off the most is Saving Private Ryan back in 1998, a summer blockbuster that was leagues better than anything out anything out there, but losing to Shakespeare in Love. Unforgivable, Academy. Unforgivable. Here's where I want to point out one of the biggest problems plaguing the world of cinema as it tries to recover from the pandemic era, where everything essentially shut down and the world of streaming expanded its territory to unfathomable heights. Oscar bait season and this concept of banking on award season marketing as opposed to spending money on these legitimately good films to be in more theaters is what's damaging the entire industry. And I'm not sure Hollywood is willing to change its ways, especially as the bigger players are pushing more towards streaming services and maintaining the upper hand. Then, as movie theater chains continue being pissed at the streaming world, and we're seeing more tight release windows to maximize the film's profit margins while fulfilling the minimum requirements to try to win those Oscars, which would lead to increased exposure and more winter box office money, the consumer is losing immensely. 2022 has actually been a wonderful year for films, and yet moviegoers are not experiencing this quality. A vast majority of the better 2022 movies had small release windows, small number of theaters overall, and even subdued marketing that's being saved for Oscar season when the marketing extends primarily to the voters themselves. So in this episode, I'm going to discuss how several legitimately great and critically well-received films are nonetheless being shut out from the American public in favor of saving money, trying to boost the value of their streaming service, or even worse, being shut out because of spite spewing from the movie theater chains that's still at war against the streaming giants. 
Then, while all this cost-cutting and minimalist theater runs are happening, they're also trying to validate the quality of their production with the Golden Globes and the Academy Awards. Which is wild, because what good is it to be the best film if you don't actually let people see it? Netflix, what is this behavior? Welcome to Coffee and a Script. So for the record, I'm not like that invested or that big into the award season stuff like before, during my past when I used to watch significantly more movies and the world made more sense. But my problem is my AMC stock cannot improve if these box office flops keep happening. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. I'm kidding. Even though they were once at a hundred bucks per share. No. All right. All right. All right. I'll calm down. I'll calm down. <clears throat> But before I get fully back into the topic, I want to point out that the Academy Awards and the Golden Globes have significantly more problems that are more profound and much more important than merely allowing these strategies to continue. Of course, there has to be more discussions involving the exploitation and their deadly secrets, and even the ceremonies themselves need so much help. I'm not blind to that, it just isn't my focus here. We need more diversity in the voting of films and during the presentations of the ceremonies. We need more awards to reward more people that work hard within the industry that may otherwise never get the opportunity to shine and advance their careers without having to rely on the powers above them. Lastly, Dibbit, can we please stop cutting the speeches? Let them talk. This is their moment and let them continue rambling on if they desire. Eventually, they'll stop talking. Eventually, it will get awkward. And also, you may never know if a beautiful moment can emerge from these speeches if they don't have to fear the music dragging them away. If you're worried about the show running too long, stop the sketches and overindulgent material from some of the Hollywood brats. Please. Thank you. And back to the topic. In one infamous example of the devastating battles between theaters and streamers, as well as the poor methodology of Netflix's release schedule for their more prestigious content, the 2018 movie Roma was distributed by Netflix to a measly total of 145 U.S. theaters during the fall of 2018, despite it being a groundbreaking Mexican film as well as a highly anticipated one. And for the record, I personally enjoy this film, and I will follow Yulisa Aparicio until the ends of the earth if I have to. She is wonderful. Of course, you can argue that maybe Netflix's budget here wasn't great enough to warrant more spending on movie theater distribution. But then the company spent 30 to $50 million on award season marketing to try to nab some awards and increase exposure of the film in that manner instead of banking of word of mouth from the moviegoers themselves. Alfonso Cuarón, Cuarón, I think that's how you say it, is one of the better visual directors out there, making spectacular visual marvels like Gravity and the franchise best Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yes, that one is the best in the series, 
Do not argue with me here. But why are we limiting the exposure of his most personal film to just 145 theaters? And even worse, why were there only 40 theaters in Mexico showing the movie? What happened was, the movie theater chains in Mexico were setting rules that Netflix wasn't willing to follow. And as a result, Cuadón's actual home country was mostly deprived of seeing a superb Mexican film with a Hollywood budget simply because Netflix was adamant in releasing the movie on Christmas in the service and never attempted to push up the release date to make it to the required 90-day window. It would not have killed Netflix to release Roma in September in Mexico, especially since it would still qualify for Oscar season. But money is always louder than morality. Then, in February 2019, right before the Oscar ceremony, the movie theater chain AMC had their usual Best Picture Marathon, which is two Saturdays of showing all the Best Picture nominees back-to-back all day. Guess which film was left off the list? Roma. Same thing happened in February 2020, as The Irishman and Marriage Story were also left off because they're Netflix. Outrageous behavior, and I'll bet you anything if All Quiet on the Western Front or Glass Onion sneaks in a Best Picture nomination, they'll be left out of the marathon in this upcoming February, even though they shouldn't be. But we simply can't blame this lack of accessibility to upper-tier filmmaking on the movie theaters, even if they're being ridiculous and shooting themselves in the foot. AMC, come on now. You're better than this. Stop doing things that keeps your stocks at $4 a share. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm off track again. Let's also point out 2022's flops of Critical Darlings having terrible release strategies. The movie Tar maxed out at just a thousand theaters for a couple weekends in September, while Spielberg, normally a reliable summer draw whether it's popcorn entertainment or not, saw his personal film The Fablemans release in November. Funny enough, both box office disappointments were blamed on moviegoers not wanting to see prestige films. But how do you explain the three-hour Indian action epic musical RRR making $14 million with no marketing? How do you explain Everything Everywhere All at Once making $70 million? The Menu, with just internet praise, banked $37 million. Yes, these are numbers that would make Disney fire everybody. Remember, Disney denies ever making the movie Dick Tracy, even though that movie made over $100 million in the box office back in the early 90s. But a dark comedy horror about a dinner gone wild making $37 million is a massive achievement, period. A three-hour Indian historical fiction epic musical concerning two historical figures Americans know nothing about making over $10 million is amazing. At this point, blaming the moviegoers is silly. Blaming American moviegoers is silly. 2022 has proven time and time again that if you can deliver an interesting premise or at the very least actually market the film, you'll see the results. Turning Red easily would have made $200 million in theaters if Chapek hadn't been on this quest to stuff Disney Plus with more exclusive content. An even more egregious example from The House of Mouse and one that's been essentially forgotten was when the Predator prequel 
Prey became a massive success from a critical standpoint and also was a groundbreaking film with its indigenous casting, but it never made it to theaters. Not one movie theater screened what is being considered the best film in the Predator series since the original. It came out exclusively on Hulu in August, and that was a month where the only actual major competition was Bullet Train. Turning Red and Prey are two films that not only were among the best of 2022, not only were deprived by being stuck on streaming, but they also lost their chance at earning more award season praise and missed out on proving that these are the kinds of films that we're willing to watch on the big screen. Imagine the turnout of the indigenous community in theaters nationwide as they're seeing a kick-ass action horror flick that has a full cast of Native Americans. Representation matters. Never, ever forget that. Which is why, also, the lack of Best Actress conversation concerning the amazing Amber Midthunder remains disappointing. P.S. That's a hell of a name. Amber Midthunder. Awesome name. Awesome actress. The Oscar bait season strategy of trying to make its money after winning awards as opposed to giving everyone a chance to see the art is one of the bigger obstacles hampering the return to form of the motion picture industry after years of a deadly pandemic. These flops aren't happening because people don't want to watch. They're happening because the accessibility is nowhere near as widespread as it should be. This is the rare case where capitalism isn't hindering art, it's hindering our access to it. This is a case where the capitalism surrounding award shows is harming the movie industry, especially in a post-pandemic world where we have more access to content than ever before. And if we continue having stupid gatekeepers in the theaters and from the Hollywood companies, then the entire industry will fall apart. I've seen news articles about how James Cameron is saving cinema with his Avatar sequel, or how Tom Cruise has been one of the final pillars of stardom trying to save the movie experience. But they can deliver all the avatars and Mission Impossibles they want. But the things I'm describing will ultimately doom it all unless changes are ultimately made, unless rules are altered, unless attitudes can finally be adjusted. With the world of media having more exclusive content and more content overall than at any given point in the history of entertainment, it has allowed for the Globes and the Oscars to contain that much more power. It basically forces all these studios and streaming services to compete for the, to compete for the awards and to stand out amongst the heap of shows, miniseries, films, and TikToks and older content that we're seeing in every corner of the television and internet. YouTube, Tubi, Roku, Amazon, Crackle, and even Spectrum are just a few examples of places with free content past and present that's within a click away. It has become that much harder for these streaming giants to prove their worth in the face of free content and even the likes of Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, again, providing days of entertainment. Also, shout out to Twitch. So now Netflix has to spend more for Oscar gold potential. It heightens the profile of the movie involved. But for that to happen, they have to play the game. And that game is release it in the fall, reach the minimum number of theaters, spend egregiously on the marketing and placing them on film festivals, and hope it yields enough results so that you'll have new reasons to promote the films in the late winter period as we approach spring break and summer blockbuster season. 
lost in this game is how the studios have shown time and time again that they aren't really depending on the mainstream viewing audience to provide the hype. So even if the Oscars deserve fault, criticism should also be sent towards the streamers too. Non-streamers should also be shunned. Universal's The Fablemans would have been the perfect summer movie, a wholesome coming-of-age story from Steven Spielberg about an aspiring filmmaker trying to make movies with his limited resources despite the pushback from his social circle. But it would have been outside that crucial period and it would have required an outstanding box office performance to carry the momentum, which is what happened to Top Gun Maverick. It is time! to stop the foolish Oscar bait season shenanigans. And it is time that we update the voting process to give all films a proper chance. It is not a coincidence that not a single best motion picture nomination outside of Everything Everywhere All at Once came out before the middle of May. For the Golden Globes, I mean. If I know this, then surely those with significantly more access to such information and resources knows the rules and the results. But does it have to be this way? How can this be fixed? How can we stop having these moments of potentially great films being released in such stressed, minimal runs at the theater while pursuing their gold? To be very frank, if the Academy actually cares, then they first and foremost need to adjust their schedule and their rules. If they can expand their horizons and expand the requirements, then we'll stop seeing incidents like Roma spending $30 million on marketing while having only a dozen or so U.S. theaters displaying the film. I'm going to read from this article in the Britannica Encyclopedia about the voting process. Once again, per this article, the voting process is perhaps only slightly clear. It involves two phases. First, nominating the Oscar candidates, and second, voting for the winners. In the first phase, members receive a ballot that lists qualifying movies. To be considered for nomination, a movie must be feature-length and must have been publicly screened for paid admission for at least one week at a commercial theater in Los Angeles County between January 1st and December 31st of the award year. Documentaries and foreign films have their own eligi eligibility requirements. I can't do it on that voice. I can't do that word on that voice. <clears throat> Members may only nominate for awards within their branch and for Best Picture. Emma Stone may thus suggest nominees for Best Actress, Actor, Supporting Actress, and Supporting Actor, but she may not nominate candidates in the Best Sound Editing or Best Sound Mixing categories. Each member of the Academy picks up to five candidates for each of their dis designated categories and list them by preference. I need a drink. That voice was hard. Do you see the problem there? Only one week? Only in Los Angeles County? This is how you'll have incidents like a film being nominated for Golden Globes before even receiving a widespread nationwide release. It is time for the Oscars to update this and demand more theaters and demand more weeks for consideration for any of those prizes. Like, one week? How about seven weeks? And instead of one theater, at least 500 of them. In at least five major cities. We can't save cinema if we don't offer cinema. Of course, if you're a super small studio with a budget of less than a million dollars, then the theater number can be more limited. We can probably make exceptions. 
But what we can't do is allow Netflix or Amazon Studios or other billion dollar companies to continue gatekeeping their own damn movies and then expect the Academy to consider them for any sort of acclaim. That's not fair to moviegoers. One time, Steven Spielberg caught some flack because he said that Netflix movies should be considered for Emmys as television movies as opposed to feature films. And at first, like, I really agreed with him, but then he's made deals with Apple TV, and so I don't know if he was just doing that because he was trying to attract a contract. It's hard to trust these people in Hollywood, not gonna lie. Spielberg's awesome, don't get me wrong, but, you know, chasing the money. It will always, it, people will always sell their morals out in, you know, Hollywood for some money. If it were up to me, I would also cut off the eligible period for, you know, to January 1st to Thanksgiving weekend instead of the end of the year so we don't have this clutter of films waiting until the very end of the year to sneak in towards eligibility. Seven weeks means almost two months out in theaters, which is plenty of time for a potentially great movie to have its audience. And if the money pours in, there's a chance for even more theaters and, in, and a longer distribution period. But it starts with a better, conceited effort in reaching audiences in the first place. Lastly, I'd love to include some sort of requirement to watch at least five films per month of the year and scoring them so that way we don't have voters skipping out on slower seasons and missing out on some potential gems early in the year. And also, that way by the very end of the year, the Academy voters can see and compare collective scores of films that probably was forgotten in the midst of a world that drowns people in information and news. How many of you even remember that film Licorice Pizza, which was a Paul Thomas Anderson flick that received criticism? critical acclaim, but it came out in February of 2022. Some may argue that perhaps Disney or especially Netflix would simply not make an effort to win awards then. But as I've said, the competition for eyeballs is so fierce that you need an advantage by any means. Being the service with the best picture winner would be a hell of an advantage. Best picture winner Parasite became Hulu's second most streamed film ever within the span of a couple weeks. And that's a South Korean movie with zero dubbing for Americans. As much as we hear of people discussing how much they hate the Oscars, oh, it's so woke and all that, all that, you know, garbage. It's still very important and crucial to talent and workers in cinema. People still end up watching it, even those that supposedly hate it. It still garners attention and can elevate a film to substantial heights. Even with my requirements, a company like Disney couldn't resist going along with my changes. But more importantly, these changes are essential to give everyone a proper chance to watch some of the best art cinema has to offer. And it forces the streamers to put their movies out there in theaters while also giving theater chains the opportunity to hash out better deals with said streamers and potentially establish stronger relationships. They don't have to compete. Eventually, I'll strictly focus on the movie theater industry in the future. But streamers don't have to be the enemy, especially when we all have the common goal of displaying movies for people to watch and enjoy. Both sides need to see the bigger picture, no pun intended, of saving an industry that's still very much fragile under the current world of technology and media consumption. 
Blame should be shared everywhere as to why a Best Picture frontrunner like Tar flopped at the box office and top-tier films like Turning Red and Prey having zero screenings in the United States. But I firmly believe a major, major obstacle harming cinema in the U.S. rests on the outdated concepts of Oscar bait season, which limits nationwide screenings in favor of spending more money on marketing to voters and executives. The Oscar race should be an all-year-long affair, which would allow for the release dates to be scattered more, which would allow for... Maybe more film festivals earlier in the year and maybe more opportunities for people to watch movies that will shoot for gold when the nomination period eventually comes. More opportunities to see these films means more variety in the theaters, which would mean more seats being filled. But enough with the 10 to 15 screens. Enough with the two-week window to meet the terribly easy requirements for consideration. I'll take it a step further. Part of the increasing disconnect between Hollywood and the rural parts of the country can be traced to how often these places get ignored when screening Best Picture hopefuls. Give the moviegoers a chance. Expand those rules. Force the streamers to share the art that they own that has been developed by some of the most talented filmmakers across the planet. And similar to what happened to Everything Everywhere All at Once, you just might be financially rewarded before even reaching the award season. But these processes of the past, these procedures have to cease. We are in a brand new world after the coronavirus pandemic. The world has expanded. The amount of content that's out there is limitless. Adapt or die. For those who survived this verbal journey once again, I thank you and appreciate you. Thank you for listening. If you want to hear other lengthy dedications to making good art above maximizing profits... Find me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and or DIAC1987.com. As always, special shout out to OC Remix for providing the soundtrack I used. And also special shout out to Everything Everywhere All at Once. I truly hope you win the main prize. Even though I think it'll end up going to some totally random movie like Where the Crawdads Sing. Hope your 2023 is going well. Don't forget to help your neighbors. Don't forget to register to vote. Take care. Ciao. 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 Shout out to RRR, who also deserves a Best Picture nomination. If you haven't seen it yet, you absolutely must. That's it. Nominate. Bye. Bye. I have to go to work.